Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by SKP Creative. We live in an online world, and online reviews have the ability to make or break your business. And that's why I appreciate your reviews of this podcast. Well, reviews powered by SKP Creative is the fastest and easiest way to get great reviews from your loyal customers on the platforms of your choice. There's no complicated setup, no expensive training, just a simple, intuitive interface created with small business owners in mind. Visit reviews.skpcreative.com to start generating more reviews for your business today. That's reviews.skpcreative.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Rockwood Furniture Company online at rockwoodfurnitureco.com. You can read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com or pick up a copy at a local newsstand today. Today's guest is Kristen DeWright, owner of Purpose and Passion Boutique. Kristen is originally from this area, but she spent the first part of her adult life in the Metroplex, where she worked in a number of different places, the mission world, the nonprofit world, the fashion world, and in online marketing and sales, when that was a relatively new concept. Eventually, Kristen came back to Amarillo and combined all that experience into something new, a boutique that's focused on causes in addition to shopping. And so we talk about that background and how it led to the creation of Purpose and Passion Boutique, which has become a pretty prominent retail presence here in Amarillo. So here's Kristen DeWright. Kristen DeWright, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, you've been on my list as a potential guest for a long time, so I'm glad to finally get you in the studio. And I want to start with you the same way that I do with everyone else and just ask why you're here. How did you end up in the Amarillo area? Well, I was born and raised in Amarillo. Uh, so my parents were born and raised here, so lots of roots deep down um, in the Amarillo Panhandle, and um, then kind of went off to college and uh, ended up in University of North Texas in Denton. Mm-hmm. Uh, said, you know what? I love this Dallas-Fort Worth area. This is my kind of scene. So I stayed for 10 years. Okay. And uh, in 2010, I was like, I think the Lord is calling me back home, but I don't know what that looks like. What would I do? And so I ended up kind of asking my family in the December of 2009, hey, I'm feeling this just pull to move back to Mm -hmm. Amarillo, but I don't even know what I would do um, because I've done a lot of things in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so they were like, okay, yeah, we'll pray. They'd be happy to pray for me and move back home. So I had friends in Dallas praying like to make sure that, you know, both sides were even, Mm -hmm. you know, praying. Praying that you would stay. Praying that I would stay, (laughs) praying I would go. And uh, my lease was going to be up in March of 2010. And so I said, okay, this is, I'm feeling this calling. So I packed up all my belongings and moved back to Amarillo with kind of not 100% sure what I was doing, but Hmm. grateful that my company was willing to work with me and they wanted me to stay on board. Okay. So I worked remotely for two years with this company, which kind of gave me some footing because I thought, am I going to move home and have to like move in with your mom, you know, again? And like, but thankfully I was going to have a job. It just was going to be remotely 
Um, and what were was, you doing? What was that so job? So that I worked for a nonprofit uh, called E3 Partners, uh, and they were all about church planning um, uh, and mission, short-term mission trips. Uh, they would partner, um, and we would go to different places from Belize to uh, Peru to Rwanda, um, across the globe, and would share the gospel, but also with humanitarian aid, mm-hmm. so providing eyeglasses or veterinarian or whatever need. And then um, we had a United States campaign that we started in 2008, um, and it's kind of more of a um, online presence. It's called IamSecond.com, okay. so I was a part of starting this website movement. Um, and so we just kind of took my job and the things that I couldn't truly do remotely and kind of put that onto someone else. And then there were some areas in the business that we wanted to grow, like an online store for I Am Second. So it was like, hey, you could do that here. And yeah. you could also still plan all the events for the company. And so because we're a nonprofit, it was all about, we were donor development. I mean, we were constantly doing fundraisers mm-hmm. and events like that. So I could travel. I could do a lot of my planning remotely. I would do some site visits to wherever we were going, if it's Nashville or Kansas City or Florida or California. Uh, and so uh, it really was a great way to kind of segue back into the Emerald area and get acclimated. Again. Did you do a lot of like uh, overseas travel when you were working with the organization? I wish I did more now looking back. Mm-hmm. I had a lot more opportunity, but you know, you get so busy, you're just like, I don't have time. Right. And so, got to do uh, all this yes, planning of yes, this stuff. Yes, I know, right? Stuff. And now I think, oh, I should have just gone. Man, yeah. I could have done that. So I wish one of the last trips I went on was Peru. And that was a really great trip, kind of um, the last real opportunity before I kind of shifted out of being a part of Mm -hmm. E3 Partners and finally getting roots here in Amarillo. Uh, And it was just such a sweet place to be. It's so beautiful and vibrant. The food is so good. Uh, I would love to go back. Did the online remote work feel unique at the time. I mean, obviously everybody's familiar with it now, but that was 10 years ago before it really had become a thing. Yes, absolutely. So at the University of North Texas, I got a fashion merchandising degree. Okay. And my dad was like, when you would ask, you know, how's Kristen? You know, he'd be like, she's great. What kind of, was she getting a degree in? Uh, Marketing? Like he didn't really, that whole concept of of fashion, like what are you going to do with that? Of course, my mom's like, fashion? Yeah. So I had had previous experience right out of college. I worked for a company called Zell Corporation, uh, diamonds, jewelers, all of that. Okay. So I learned about the buying process there uh, and kind of understanding, you know, supply and demand and your return on investment and and all of that. But really online wasn't a huge presence. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I was leaving college, my semester uh, two, in 2002 is when I graduated college, that spring semester, they introduced their first web, like you could get a degree in the web marketing for fashion. Wow, okay. And I remember thinking, oh, well, I had to take a class about it, but that was all. So when I, you know, tr- you know, fast forward 10 years pretty much, and now I'm planning an online store, everyone at the nonprofit, you know, they're very mission-minded. They were, you know, their focus was about helping, you know, humanitarian aid, doing things good for others in other countries. So to try to explain to them like, hey, there's this concept of like, you could make some profit, you know, that was kind of foreign mm-hmm. to them. You know, they were just used to doing events and you ask people for, right. you know, you give them your chicken and steak option and then you throw the, you know, the, the fundraiser and you hope you'll get money. Yeah. So with I Am Second, it was such a weird 
kind of shift for us because it was one of the first whole the concept of like sharing your story the the meaning behind I'm second was just our focus because we were all about sharing the gospel in other countries was sharing it here in the states and just trying to get someone from first place to second meaning they put God first and then they became second uh, and so we just were targeting, you know, those that don't know Christ um, with a faith-based audience. What we found, though, was a whole different audience was those in the church world that, you know, the churches, Christians, those that have a relationship with Jesus, they wanted shirts that said, I am second. Hmm. They wanted hats that said, I yeah. am second, because it created a conversation about why are you second? Identifying with the brand. Absolutely. And so, you know, for, for our world, and I don't think it's wrong to like want to be number one, be the best, but you can really get honed in on that and focus on the wrong incentives of why you're doing that. And so for for someone that like myself who is faith-based and I'm, you know, Christian, I'm, if I'm wearing I'm second and someone's like, I'm, and I ran it in a race one time and someone's mm -hmm. like, girl, don't you want to be first? I'm like, well, I do, but, and it just led to an easy conversation about Jesus. And that's sometimes really hard here in the States versus going, hey, I'm going to Peru for two weeks. Sure. And you kind of get outside of yourself and you're okay with talking to random strangers about your faith, but you come back here and you don't even talk to your neighbor Yeah, it feels it. weird here. It does. So this whole concept of like shirts, bracelets, hats, the nonprofit, the the company I worked for, were like, we don't really know what we're getting into. Well, then churches are great at kind of taking and like recreating the brand themselves, right. which from a marketing person <laughs> is kind of not yeah. always the best thing. Coca-Cola, Jesus is real. Yeah. You know, you're like, it looks like an Abercrombie right? and Fitch logo, but it's really a church logo. <laughs> yes. So we didn't want that to, to affect our brand, you know, with, with the marketing mindset that I have, it, you know, we were like, well, we don't want everyone just to start stacking I am second in different ways. You know, we want this to be something that is thrown across the world and you see brand recognition with that. So um, we worked with just a small independent mom and pop manufacturer in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I was only allowed to get like 20 shirts at a time. Oh, wow. And and they didn't really understand like I can get a better price for our, you know, for us, if I bought like a hundred right. or two hundred, and over time they started seeing like, oh, okay, we understand what you're meaning. People are going to this online thing and they're liking the shirt, but they want an extra small and an extra large. And I would be having probably the size of a closet was what I had to work with when we first wow. started of product. And they quickly realized this is catching on to something. We need to be able to make this mask because churches wanted shirts for their whole church. And I'm like, uh, we only have 20 shirts in this size and 13 in this size. So uh, it was a really, I don't, I don't know, very informative season in my life because I was kind of thrown into the fire. And then it was like, okay, well, can you figure it out? Because there was no one else for yeah. me to really ask either because online shopping had not taken where it is today. It, it was harder to do. It back was. Then and it took it a lot now. longer. Like no one had the Amazon Prime concept right. of like you Shopify. Yeah, or, none of that. And so it was also like, well, how are we going to capture their credit information? And like some little old lady wants to buy with a check, but mm -hmm. we're telling her to go online and put her credit card. And that was just a no-no back then. Like there was just so much like you've got to protect yourself and mm -hmm. fraud. And and so it, it was definitely a challenging season trying to figure out 
from what product to buy, how much to sell it for, to are we making margin? Is this worth our time and effort mm-hmm. to getting the word out there about customers? And you know, hey, you can shop online. Also, trying to be a delicate balance of we are a nonprofit, and our ultimate goal is to share the gospel. And so, you didn't want to also just seem like, oh, we're we're so greedy. We want right, you to buy right. all this product. So it was a healthy balance um, that we had to learn how to handle. Uh, but I really did enjoy it. It was fun. Um, I, one of our first photo shoots was like we had an I Am Second scarf and like doing some of that. Of course, we just did that in-house because we don't still know what we're doing. Yeah. We eventually started working with a um, kind of a, a production company um, in Coppell called Advanced Online. And they were able to take and they could take our logo. And if you ordered a small shirt and I wanted a large shirt, they would produce it at that moment. Okay. So they so were demand printing. On demand, demand printing. So we weren't we weren't forced to have to do what I had been doing in my little closet and like counting every day yeah. and going, oh I need to order 20 more smalls because we only have two left and you know I need to order 10 more mediums. So the inventory was so inventory. hard back then. I, I, I remember those days when you know you could have a brand and you could kind of get a handle on inventory and the ebb and flow of the business. But then like some blogger, you know, would link to you and they bring thousands of people, and all of a sudden you've got you know an order of eight thousand or something, yes. and it was so unpredictable in those days. Absolutely, and that was where we where we were seeing the challenges. We had just those silicone bracelets, you know. Some people have like the "What Would Jesus Do" on, right. but ours said "I am second, and they were just the black with the white writing, and. I mean, there were churches, like I said, a lot of youth groups were doing I Am Second as their theme for camps. Mm -hmm. They wanted every kid to have it. And so it was like, how are we, how do we even know? Uh, There was a lot of unknown, like, you know, after a year under our belt, we'd go, okay, we know we need to order this many. And if we bought them, you know, 10,000 bracelets right now, they're going to be a lot less expensive per piece, which could help us either build the margin or we could make the price a little less expensive. Whereas if we only order 100 at a time, but it was like training um, the corporate mindset of what that looked like, especially yeah. in a nonprofit um, where their focus was complete, kind of in a different direction. But uh, all in all, I mean, it's still really cool. They still have an I Am Second store to this mm-hmm. day. Uh, it's definitely looks way better. It's a little from, more streamlined. Yeah, more streamlined. Uh, their images, their products. I mean, even that was a challenge of like, okay, everyone wants to know what the Brian Head Welch coffee mug looks like. So, you know, we're like, okay, you just take a picture and post it. Well, now there's like special backdrops and you do your, you know, do you do the portrait mode? So it's blurry in the back. Like there's so many options and we just didn't have that. So it's been fun to watch it evolve over the years um, for sure. When when you were thinking about going to college, did you think I want to get into, you know, some sort of marketing or product or fashion or were you thinking I want to find a way into the nonprofit or the ministry world? I mean, did you have a sense of what you wanted to do? Honestly, I I did not. Uh, when I left here, I thought I was going for marketing. Mm-hmm. When I got to UNT, I found out there's a fashion class I can take and that just changed kind of the trajectory uh for with business i still got my undergrad um with fashion merchandising and then my minor was in business of course uh and so um but i started taking these classes and realized oh this is so exciting and i've always loved fashion uh but i also had some opportunity um through college to get to go to la for market and new york for market Mm -hmm. so i got kind of introduced to that and i was like okay this is exact this is where i'm supposed to be and what i'm going to do i did not feel the 
calling to go to either East or West Coast mm -hmm. after graduating. I wanted to stay in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and there's so many great corporations at the time that were still that were there. Um, you know, Neiman's, Nordstrom, Dillard's, J.C. Penney's. Fossil, uh, and so uh, Zell Corporation. And then, of course, being in Dallas-Fort Worth, UNT did a great retail roundtable concept for us in college. We got introduced to a lot of them. Okay. So I, I thought, this is where I'm supposed to go. Now, I was raised in the church here. And so when I went off to college, you know, kind of sort of took a little sabbatical, you know, tested out other things, uh, but eventually wanted to get back into church. And I'd also been taught to serve the ch in the church. So I was just serving at a big mega church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as on my own time. Hmm. And I served in youth. Uh, I was in my early 20s. And so I just felt like I resonated with them and had a little group of sixth, seventh graders that I poured into on the weekends and just kind of got involved that way. And the Lord kind of began to shift in me. And uh, one of the staff members at the church I, I volunteered at was like, have you ever thought about being in ministry? And I laughed and I said, oh, goodness, no, 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 no. I'm like, I, I may marry someone in the ministry, but I'll never be in the ministry. And, you know, God has a funny sense of humor. And the next thing I know, I'm like, huh, I am in the ministry yeah. and I am not married. <laughs> so, but you were doing fashion oriented I was stuff doing and fashion. marketing yes. and all that. So when they approached, I, I said, no, I said, I, I, I just got a raise. I I'm liking what I'm doing. I mean, I was looking at huge diamonds and pearls yeah. and emeralds. Like this was just where I was supposed, I just thought I was supposed to be. And a couple, they gave me a couple months and then approached again. And this time something was different. And there was a shift in me that was like, I don't know how I'm going to use this. Well, I remember an old family friend of mine, um, Andy um, Dietz, had asked me my first year out of, uh, out of high school. I was in college, and I came back to be a youth sponsor at camp. And he's like, Kristen, how's it going? How's college? I said, it's so great. He goes, what's your degree? I said, oh, it's fashion merchandise. He's like, now what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. And I told him then, I don't know. I mean, who's to say I won't use my fashion degree to impart wisdom into a youth group or students someday. Like, you know, I mean, everyone likes fashion and it's just neat to see how that kind of mm -hmm. came full circle because now I'm going to be in youth. And then when you hear, oh, she has a fashion degree, girls just would perk up. Right. Like, oh, you, you have fashion? What, what about fashion? You know, those that are interested in it. And so it was just kind of neat to kind of see how that um, uh, transpired into now I work at a really large church and I've never worked in ministry. I didn't even think I was called to it and how God kind of leveraged that. Okay. So, so walk me through the timeline then once you find yourself back in Amarillo, you've got a lot of retail online experience. Mm -hmm. You've got the nonprofit experience. You've worked for, you know, a mission teams that are doing international stuff. You've got this exposure to fashion and you've got a job here that's remote. So what happened after that point? When I moved back here, uh, I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew I liked the slower pace when I would come visit family. I liked being near my family. Um, I'm from a divorced family. Um, and so I have my mom's side of the family here. And then my mom, my stepmom and my dad's side mm -hmm. of the family also here. So uh, a lot of people here to spend time with and be around. And so I, I noticed that I really wasn't getting connected. Uh, I was trying to get involved in a church, but because of working remotely, I was gone some days, sometimes 17, 18 days out of a month. Wow. I wasn't even at my apartment. And I thought, I'm really not connecting anywhere. I wasn't connecting back in Dallas where I'd have meetings and events, 
I would talk to him every day through email or on a phone, but FaceTime wasn't even available right. back then. And so then we I tried, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know, should I move back? I just, I didn't really feel like I had anyone. I was kind of lonely, honestly. And so uh, I said, I've got to get roots here. So put some fillers out, um, shared my resume with some different people. And they ended up sending it to different different places. And I ended up getting a marketing job at Happy State Bank. Okay. And that was one of the best, honestly, it was just a God-given blessing because that really got me acclimated back into the city. Yeah. At 18, when you're thinking about leaving your city that you're from, I'm not paying attention to no. our economy or no. the business world. No teenager is. You know? And even when I'd come home, I wasn't really caring about that. I mean, the news might be on, the paper might be on the the, the table, but I'm not caring about that. I'm in Dallas. So when you move back here and you're like, okay, now I'm a big girl. I got to have a big girl job. And I don't even know anything about the, the, the city. Happy State Bank was such a great place. It's a great bank uh, to work for, but even more so they're so generous and it really put me in a great place to meet a lot of nonprofit organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember, um, even snack pack for kids, um, when they were first getting yeah, started, new, yeah, he came and was talking to our marketing director and, and we're like, okay, now what are you doing? How, how are you getting the food there? And how can we help? And so it was just a really neat opportunity because we'd have, you know, a lot of dinners that we was supported and sponsored. And so I was getting out there and meeting more people. Um, and then, um, through a small group, um, at my church, a friend of mine said, Hey, I know that you're at doing your marketing thing, but I um, have a job at this place called Anderson Merchandisers and yeah. think you would be great at it. So I went and applied and ended up getting the job and ended up at Anderson Merchandisers until the day they closed the okay. doors. Uh, and so that and for people that don't know, like they were doing a lot of the distribution for Hastings, they were getting into Walmart and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I did not realize that. So I've kind of come full circle. You know, I left and I was doing buying and distribution and, and retail. Then I got into ministry. Then I'm kind of back doing corporate right. marketing, but also connected to nonprofits. And now I'm here working at Interest Merchandisers again about distribution and products. And so it was a really cool concept, you know, pretty much any book you bought in Walmarts, Sam's, right. DVDs back then, CDs, they were actually being bought by buyers here in Amarillo, Texas. And a lot of people didn't realize yeah. that. And um, so uh, the company decided to close the doors. They sold um, the company to another competitor that's up in the Chicago area. And so 250 plus of us were let go. Uh, they really, they had pretty much somebody in all of their departments already, so they didn't need our finance and they didn't need right. our buyers. And uh, and so that was a really different shift because everything that I had seen in my path of career, I chose to leave. I chose a new career path. I chose to to go this path. This was the first time my path had yes. kind of gotten disrupted it's and it wasn't my you. choice. So that was really interesting. And so I spent a good six months without a job. Okay. I figured I learned about the unemployment world and how you had to like every week submit what you've been applying for. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really humbling experience. I was actually really embarrassed to tell people. And I don't know why. It, it, it's not like I ch this happened. I mean, this happened to me. But it was a really uh, interesting experience uh, and a lot of self-reflection. And so a lot of friends and family kind of put out there about a boutique. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not into that. I went to a Dave Ramsey 
event in Fort Worth by myself, and it was called Boutique Business, and it was all about men, women that are trying to create their own businesses. Hmm. And uh, Christy Wright was the speaker, and she had a lot of well-known people that were on the stage sharing about how do you get your business started. And it was for, you know, you're still in the dreaming stage, you're actually doing it, or you're, you've got a lot of longevity, you've been doing this a while. And so uh, it was nice to be around people from all different stages and kind of started to get my little, my, you know, my mind turning about Mm -hmm. what to do. And could I do this? I don't know, maybe. Uh, And so we kind of fast forward. And I think I I think I'm just supposed to be in a bigger city. So I actually put my house on the market and uh, thought, I'll sell everything I own, and that will be the money I make from the sale. And then from the sale of the house, I'll just try to live on. So I did a two-week cross-country tour. My mom is just literally, you know, my prayer warrior. And so I was like, Mom, I just think I'm supposed to move. And she said, you know, I'm feeling that might be what you're supposed to do, too. I know you've sought out different jobs here and just nothing's working mm-hmm. out. And so I, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to do this. And so um, the house is on the market. There's no reason me be here. It'll, I'll, I won't make it messy that way. My realtor can show it whenever. So I flew out to LA and I wanted to really live the life. So I Airbnb'd in neighborhoods that I thought I could afford. And the only place that was I was allowed to have a car would be LA because LA, I would have kept my car. But all the other cities that I was trying out, I would end up having to use their metro system. And so my plan was I would also make money from the sale of my car uh, because I wouldn't need it in these other cities. So I started in L.A., rented a car, went to different places, tried neighborhood markets. Like I really wanted to immerse myself in the culture. Like this is what my life would be like. Would I like this? Well, it's unfortunately a lot cheaper to fly from like LA across the country than to fly back to Amarillo and then Amarillo to somewhere else. Sure, sure. So um, I ended up from LA, my last place was Boston. So I went to Chicago, DC, Boston, and I looked for jobs Why in those areas. Even before I went on the trip, I started looking in those areas thinking, oh, I didn't know this company was in Boston. I might be interested in applying to something they have there. But I also wanted to see... I've never been to Boston. Maybe I should try it out first. So I, uh, you know, flew into Chicago, Washington, D.C., and I'm having to figure out how to get myself. And I only did a carry-on, but they all had to be pet-friendly Airbnbs because I have a dog named Dudley, and Dudley would be coming with me. Okay. But I didn't take him on this trip. But in the, I'm thinking in the future, I may have to do one of those extended stays for a few weeks or months and stay in one of these. So uh, I, you know, loved Chicago. There was a Starbucks on the corner right underneath the apartment that I stayed in. I thought, that's so cool. You just walked Starbucks. So it was a really cool experience. Um, You know, self-discovery when you do trips by yourself. I mean, gone for two weeks, you have lots of time to think and perspective. I get back and my mom is going to help me with one last garage sale. The house has has a contract on it. Things are just moving in motion. And um, I'm at that place with a garage sale where it's like, I will almost give this to you if you'll just take it. Uh, you know, it's just the small things. I had sold my washer and dryer, my 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 living room furniture, my dining table. I mean, everything you could think of. I was trying to scale back because mm-hmm. I wanted to load everything in my car and drive to Chicago or D.C. or wherever I was headed. Chicago was going to be the, the city of choice. 
And of course, that is not happened because yeah, I'm still here. Still here. Uh, and when I get back, my mom says, "Hey, I'm going to come by and talk to you for a second. And I said, "Okay." And we were getting ready. Tomorrow is going to be the garage sale, and she's like, "So I've been praying while you've been gone, and I think you need to start a boutique." And I'm like, "What?" I was completely blindsided. I thought, "I, I'm not. No, I, I have this plan. We're doing this. This is where we're headed." And I'm like you really feel that? She said, I've just been this thought, you know? And so we kind of talked about it and I said, let me think about it. I'm going to pray about it. So I actually, uh, Mark Batterson has a book called the circle maker. Mm -hmm. And so I actually walked circles around the city. I went downtown and walked around all the new area. I walked around Wolfland village. I went to town square and the concept is you're praying and walking. And, uh, God just kind of said at Wolfland village, like, this is, I walked around it seven times. I'm praying, praying around it. And if you haven't noticed, you know, faith is definitely a big part of who I am. And, uh, and so I just, I kind of stopped. And when I stopped, I was standing in front of the store front of which now I have, hmm. and it was vacant. That whole lot was vacant. Um, a lot of the, the ex existing retailers had moved across right. over to Wolfland Square, so the whole strip was empty, and I did not know what the future of that was going to be like. And so I'm like, I called mom, and I said, I think you might be right, and I think I've found exactly where I want to be, but I don't even know how to get started. And so that kind of opened the door. I There's, you know, for lease, and there's a number, mm -hmm. and I called and said, I'd like to see this space and walked in and it just kind of felt like it needs a lot of renovations and lots of changes, but I think this is where we're supposed to go. What year was that? 2017. Okay. So you find the space, your, your mom has said, I think, you know, I think you should open a, a boutique. How did you decide this is what it's going to be? Because there's, there's a lot of boutiques in Amarillo. There's a lot of competition. Right. They're, they're all doing a little bit different types of things. Um, so when you started thinking about products and customers and, and what's our goal? Like, how did you come up with what it ended up being? I think living in Dallas for so long, I was very familiar with the different types of shops and mm -hmm. things out there. Uh, I love what sets Amarillo apart in a lot of ways is we are very boutique heavy. We've mm -hmm. got so many great boutiques and I shopped them when I moved back here because there wasn't a lot of places to shop right. for a girl who loves fashion. Uh, and so it was great to see. And so I didn't even know, but years you know, six years prior, you know, I'm shopping all of these local boutiques, not realizing at some point I'm probably going to open my own. But one thing that has just always been really important to me was being real thoughtful with my gifts. So gift giving is my love language. And so I love the whole play on of like, this gift is helping someone or hmm. someone made this with their own hands. And so then I can tell you the person I'm giving the gift to the whole story behind it. And uh, so I, I give um, like Tom's shoes and the giving keys and feed bags, kind of my first introduction to that concept. Like Tom's shoes was like, these shoes aren't really that pretty. You know, a long time ago, you had like three colors to choose right. from. And you're like, and it's how much? 50 bucks? And you're like, it's just canvas. But the whole idea that a kid was getting a pair of shoes just was so fascinating to me. And I loved it because I, I because of my, with the missions minded and mm -hmm. ministry, uh, there's definitely a lot of interconnecting on that for me. And so I knew if I open a store, I, I do want to be more about that. And then like, you know, having Happy State Bank as my kind of first job here in the city, they're very community minded. 
as are a lot of our banks here sure. in the city. And so uh, I thought, you know, if, I, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that we're going to give back locally. I know how great our people are and how just I had seen that just in a short time of being back in the city. And so I knew, okay, I can I can have this brand that is helps women in Haiti or in Africa, but I also know our city wants to help local. Right. We want to make sure our dollars are helping local people as well. So how do I make that happen? And so it was a bit of a challenge when we first went to market in September of 2017 trying to explain my concept to vendors were like, well, we don't really have any product. Like, what do you mean give back? Like we don't yeah. have, you know, and now five years later, I can go to market and literally there's almost like a whole floor. That's all about kind of a give back concept. Uh, advertisers are realizing, oh, we should promote this. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so much easier to to find than it did five years ago when really, like I mentioned, some of those brands were the only ones that were really doing a great job promoting that your purchase is helping someone else. Uh, and so when we went to market, I was just adamant I was going to find things um, like that. Well, it was a lot harder. We only started with 12 products in the store that helped give back. Hmm. Now we've grown those lines sure. significantly since then, but I I was really proud of those twelve. And my goal was before the end of the year of 2018, uh, I I want to uh, have 24, and you know just kind of grew. And uh, we've just over time grown that. But it, it, there was a lot of education. You know, when you open a boutique, it's kind of like, oh, here's just a shop. You just here's some cute clothes or here's some gifts and voila, you know, this is where everybody shops. Well, for us, there was education behind it. So when I had the product that gave back, I wanted my customer to know that. So yeah. we created signage that had to be beside each product. And we're hoping that our customer will be engaged and we're perhaps read it. Um, or we can, you know, hype in and say, oh, this this helps do this, provides food, this does this. Uh, and so it's really more of an experience when you come to the store because everything you're touching could possibly be helping in some form or fashion, not just globally, but then we wanted to add in the local right, part. Right, right. How did, how did customers respond to that? Because it was a pretty new idea, maybe not nationally, but for Amarillo, it, it felt like, all right, this is something different. Yes. So uh, I do, in Nashville, when I was doing my events back with I Am Second, uh, I went into Franklin. Um, we had an office there, and uh, Franklin had a store called Philanthropy, mm -hmm. and I loved it. And they had like a prayer wall, and they also kind of had some products that gave back. And so that was kind of the, a little tasting. And then um, Altered State is a right. ch chain clothing store, and they have a Mission Monday, and they give back to a different mission. So I was starting to hear little pieces of it, but the whole like more or less marketplace of what our store is with products, um, customers were really excited to think like, oh, this bracelet, like I would show them this bracelet with these beads. And I've, I'd explain, well, you see, they're kind of different shaped because they were hand rolled by women in Haiti. Uh, and they actually use like fruit, like beets and things to dye the beads. And and the women would just say, I want two. I want yeah. three of those. Because like, there's just, a story. It's, it's not a just a product. It's Absolutely. a story behind it. Yes. So. And I think also when we'd have customers come in and say, I'm looking for a gift for someone, uh, we would tell them, you know, you may come in for a gift for someone or yourself, but you leave making a greater impact in someone else's life. And so it helped the customer too, because if her friend loves to rescue pets, 
we have a drinkware mm-hmm. line where you buy it, they donate 25% of proceeds to help with animal rescue. So now you're giving more of an intentional gift mm-hmm. to your friend. You're giving her a drinkware that she's going to love and enjoy and drink out of every day. But now you're also going to get to tell her, and I know you love rescuing pets so much. This helps do that. Right. And so you're you're playing... I guess you it has layers. It, it lays to layers, it. Yeah. absolutely, to the kind of giving. It's about being more intentional about our gifts. I, I, I believe we're always going to be consuming, but I do think in the last four to five years we've become wiser consumers mm-hmm. in what we're putting in our bodies, what we're putting on our bodies, what kind of beauty product, how is it made? Even the fashion industry is is starting to question, hey, how is this being made? Who is making this? Right. And so I think it makes sense that we as consumers would want to start buying products that, well, who is making this and, and how is it helping someone? Uh, and I think our customers and because Amarillo and the Canyon area are so great at supporting others, they love the concept. They love that this helps feed kids. There's a candle line I carry and Sweet Grace is a favorite scent of so many's and Three meals are provided to a child in need. Hmm. And I actually got to go to Honduras with this company and meet the kids that we are helping feed. Every time one of our customers buys these candles, I've met these kids. I've played with them. I've eaten Hmm. the food. So it was a really cool full circle opportunity with this company when they asked if I'd want to go because I could come back and tell my customers – I promise you, um, I do my due diligence and I have to do the research to make sure that when they're saying they're giving back, I want to make sure they are doing that. And so um, it's it's been really thrilling. It's also life-giving because mm-hmm. it's so fun to let watch someone find a gift that they are so passionate about and then tell us why they're buying it for who and how this person is going to be so excited about it. And sometimes it's because of the product itself, or sometimes it's more because of the story behind it. To 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 close out this section, I wanted to ask you, since you have been someone who lived in another place for a while, you traveled all over trying to figure out where to live, ended up in Amarillo, and now you're, you know, working with Amarillo people on a daily basis because they're your customers. What have you learned, you know, in this process about the place where you grew up um, and you know, planting yourself here, starting a business here, really getting immersed and invested in the community. What have you learned in that process about the people here? Our people are unique in comparison to what I had experienced in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, I I never felt such community um, when I was in a big city. And and yes, it is a big area, but there's lots of small developments and breakoffs from just the Dallas and the Fort Worth. Sure. Uh, but even so, like I've lived in Grapevine and I had lived in Irving and Denton, and you still did not have that community minded that Amarillo has. I think our, our our community is very much about wanting to support one another. It's almost like if any one of us has a dream, we're all those people behind them help holding up their hands, making that dream possible. Uh, if that's from, you know, using a local printer to help with the printing to a, a local vendor who's making, you know, food and, you know, refreshments and things to, um, you know, however it can be, our, our community wants to help support that. And 
Uh, I don't think I realized that as a kid. I, I definitely didn't as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, you know, having to go try to sell things for fundraisers, you know, and you just went down and asked the grandparents and your neighbors. And now that I'm back, I realize as as hard as that was as an 11-year-old to see if you would buy my candy or cookies for Girl Scouts or whatever, uh, I realize now it was no it was no thought in the world for the person that I was asking sure. because they wanted to help. Because I'm now in the city and I too want to help buy those cookies because I want to help support you and I want to help you achieve your dream. And I think that's what's great about the city is in the community is we are passionate about supporting other people's dreams, not just our own. Because if everyone's every one of us is a dreamer and we're all encouraging those dreams to thrive how great will the city be, you know? And I think we've seen that um, from so many different great companies that have been, you know, pulled up from, you know, somebody's bootstraps and hard labor. And so um, I love that about our community. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the Texas Outdoor Musical, which is back this summer in Paladura Canyon State Park and is now under the artistic direction of Stephen Crandall an Amarillo native and a former Texas cast member. I'm incredibly excited to see his new vision for the musical, which is now in its 56th season. It's coming up really soon. But you know what? I'm always excited about the show anyway, because nothing says summer in Amarillo like this epic performance about the first settlers in the Texas Panhandle. It's set against the backdrop of Paladuro Canyon and the Pioneer Amphitheater, and it's just always so much fun. This family-friendly show runs every day of the summer, except for Mondays, until the middle of August. Tickets are on sale now, and they include group rates, so go grab those at texas-show.com. That's texas-show.com. This episode is also supported by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college, which was a long time ago. He's taken care of my kids' teeth ever since they had teeth. He's a national speaker on Invisalign and uses that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning. You can learn more by following Shimon Dental on Facebook or visit ShimonDental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Okay, I'm back with Kristen DeWright of Purpose and Passion Boutique. Uh, Kristen, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes hair pipe beads, which were discovered in Ochiltree County from ornamental breastplates worn by Southern Plains Indians, including the Kiowas and Comanches. And you can see those and learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question, and I'm sure you've been on the front lines of this as a retailer, but what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you? about local people. How much relational our for us our customers are. Hmm. You know, we were closed for 56 days and it was so sweet. We'd have customers just call to check on us. And I don't think I realized that before the pandemic, but since then I've been more mindful that it is more than just a store where someone shops. It's about relationships. It's about pouring into the customers. So it's been a really great journey for that. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? Chicken fried fast food restaurants. <laughs> There's like 
four on my street alone that yeah. I work on. People love their chicken sandwiches. <laughs> they, I mean, here. clearly there's an audience for it, but like <laughs> it's so many options, so much. Yeah, the, the proliferation of chicken franchises over the past few years is something that I I would like to read like some socioeconomic study of that in the future. Why did this happen? Right, yes. I mean, because we are in the panhandle and beef is big, but I feel like our chicken is like, there's one chicken restaurant and then there's another fast food and they all kind of look together. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I don't even think it's just here either. I I think it's everywhere or maybe all over the South, but yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, what does this area not have enough of? Oh, man, I would give anything if we had like a Clyde Warren Park. That's a Dallas Park hmm. area. That's kind of an open venue setting. They've got tables and chairs. It's a great place for outdoor concerts. Uh, food trucks are kind of there like for lunch, you know, during the week. I remember going and having lunch there um, and being able to walk. And I just I wish there was something like that here. Yeah, that's that's a, a really good point because there's a we have a lot of parks but having one that's sort of a gathering space, a, an organic gathering space yes. for people is is a different sort of idea. And I think that would be really fun to have something like that. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? I refer to Amarillo as a big city with a small town mindset. Okay. We have big dreams and we are on a major highway, uh, but you will, no, you're, you will not find um, kinder, sweeter people in the city. Um, and I think that's the small town, you know, we have so many small towns that surround us and they help one another, yeah. you know, the neighbors, you know, I don't necessarily need rain for my yard, it, you know, but I know we need to pray for rain because it affects my neighbors. It affects the community. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, and I think we're so good at doing that. And so, um, whereas with the big city, sometimes you get mine of yourself and whatever's going on and you don't really think about others and i think in amarillo and the canyon texas panhandle area we're very mindful of we have big city dreams and we want to be a great city that you want to come and live and grow your family with but we're definitely small town with helping one another and being there for your neighbor i I think that phrase small town mindset is an interesting one because like in your description, it's a very positive thing. Other people might hear small town mindset and think that's a negative. Oh, true. Um, That sometimes it's like, well, we don't want to dream or we don't um, want to get too big or we don't want any sort of growth. And it's it's interesting to see how a phrase like that can go in both directions. Um, So I I appreciate that that you find the the positive element of that. What's your favorite nonprofit in Amarillo? You might not even want to answer that one because I know that that you end up working with so many because of your business. But like, is is there one that like really captures you? By far, we do work with a ton of nonprofits, and we're honored to get to do that. But uh, um, I would love to shout out to Hope Choice. Um, okay. uh, they're mentoring in pregnancy center, and then they actually um, just this year started a college ministry called Thirteen Thirty on the WT campus. And I love that Hope Choice is about mentoring the next generation, rising up men and women to go out and share the gospel um, and to live life to the fullest. So definitely love what Hope Choice is doing. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? That would probably be 575. Okay. I love their sangria and their cauliflower pizza is so good. So great. You go to the original location? I do. I am a Wolfland Village. I live in Wolfland. 
I have my stores in Wolfland. Uh, and so I, I definitely spend a lot of time in that area. So I like that. I like both locations, but I like going to civic circles. Okay. What's your favorite local coffee shop? I would have to say Palace, a.k.a. the Royal Bar, too. Mm -hmm. Also uh, <laughs> in, in the Wolfland area now. Also so. in the, yeah, I've been very excited that they uh, were coming. And then um, since then, it's just a cool atmosphere. And uh, I love to go and get coffee and read. But I also love that they have the, the nightlife option mm -hmm. of, like, grabbing drinks after five. And I just love that they're kind of a community neighborhood. For me, it's, it's kind of like my cheers. Yeah. <laughs> what I really like about that location specifically is that it's got a couple of long tables. And so when you go there, you know, you go to any other palace and there's individuals doing things. You go to that one, there's sometimes a group there, you mm -hmm. know, that's having a meeting and six or eight people or something like that. And so uh, it, it serves uh, a little bit different purpose, I think, than some of the others. And I, I always appreciate that about that one. Yeah, I do too. Um, okay, last question. When was the last time you visited the Big Texan? Speaking of chicken fried things, when was the last time you went there? Uh, goodness, that was in 2002 with okay. my roommate from college. That was a long time ago. That was then. a long time. She lived in Longview, Texas. And so we each had gone to see each other's where we were grew up kind of. And so uh, when she came here, she had asked about going and I'm like, oh, I don't. I think I went when I was a kid once, but I had really never been. And she was shocked that I didn't go like weekly. And I was like, it's no, I, I don't go there that often. So it's uh, not for us. It's, it's for you. It is. Absolutely. And so, you know, we sat in the big rocking chair and mm -hmm. she watched someone eat the big steak. We did not even try to attempt it, but yes. Was it everything she dreamed that it would be? Absolutely. Yes. She, she was like, this was exactly what I thought. You say big Texan, you think everything is big. And I'm like, well, yeah, we're sitting in a big rocking chair. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> okay, Kristen, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? You know, right now with our store, um, we are promoting a colorful closet and it is a nonprofit, and uh, they just do such a really cool job. Um, they are all about have, helping be the threat of change mm -hmm. for kids' lives. And so they get contacted from school counselors and request clothes for different kids. Um, and for some of those kiddos, you know, they don't have but one pair of shorts and a shirt, and they wear it every day. And, uh, you know, being in the fashion world, that is just so hard for my little brain to even yeah. comprehend because I have so many jeans, I can't even figure out which one to wear today. And so Colorful Closets will then uh, take used, uh, gently used or new clothes for kids and provide outfits, not just one, but like multiple, like a five whole week worth where the kids can interchange these clothes. And then, so it just helps build their confidence in who they are. And so we're right now our part of your dollars when you shop purpose and passion, we then turn around and give monetarily back to nonprofits. And so right now we're focusing on colorful closets. So and Keely Brown of colorful closets is a former podcast guest and tells a story of how she started. So yes, absolutely. So we love that we can help in that way and help be a voice box to our customers yeah. and to others about such great nonprofits like theirs. Okay, Kristen DeWright, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Kristen for the interview. You can learn more about her boutique at purposeandpassionboutique.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors Shimon Dental, SKP Creative, the Texas Outdoor Musical, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. 
If you like this podcast, I would love it if you would give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you want, you can leave a review, tell people why you enjoy the podcast. Uh, All that stuff helps other people find the show, and I really do appreciate. And I also appreciate those of you who listen, because this podcast exists on a weekly basis because there's an audience out there for it. So thank you for listening. Thank you especially to the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Jess Heredia, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 247. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>